Coming up on this week's edition of the Smitty and Mitty Show. The radio voice of the London Knights, Mike Stubbs, is back on the show to preview the OHL playoffs. Plus more of your favorite sports talk jam-packed into the next hour. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Start your engines! 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The show that's got everyone saying... You're so dumb, for real. With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Smitty. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? you. That's my name. This is the Smitty Mini Show. Mitty. Smitty. Another week of mediocre sports talk coming at you hot. Joining us a little bit later, Mr. Mike Stubbs, uh, voice of the London Knights. He's going to talk about the OHL playoffs happening right now. Now, but first, let's thank our sponsors, Dave Middleton, Sunlight Financial, Life is Brighter, Under the Sun, Gold Line Curling, the Choice of Champions, and I am so excited, so excited to announce right here, right now, we are bringing on, I, technically we're a sponsor of them, mm-hmm. but part of our sponsorship with them is that we are going to help them out, and that is the Jack Jury Memorial Dirt Bowl, uh, you're going to hear their ad come up a little bit later, but remember, flag football, mental health. You'll hear it all there. We are very excited to have them on board. So welcome to the Smitty and Mitty Show family, the Jack Dory Memorial Dirt Bowl. Yeah, it's exciting to be uh, be a part of that family and get involved. I know we talked about doing it last year. Things just didn't work out, you know, with uh, everything going on in our lives. But this year it's going to work out perfectly. We're going to be involved with them, run some ads for them to promote it. And, of course, we're going to have some on-field sponsorship there as well. So uh, excited to be a part of the Dirt Bowl this year. I was thinking the other day, Smitty Mitty Show. Do you think we'd be more or less successful if we were the Mitty and Smitty Show? It's always been the Smitty and Mitty, so it's never really crossed my mind. Mitty and Smitty better or worse? Better or worse? Well, I I see it like a baseball lineup, right? Okay, so I'm lead off. Yeah. You're speed, just you're there. Speed. You're there to see pitches. Speed, contact. You're there to see what's up. You're you're there to give me a view so I can step up to the plate and hit a dinger. So I can take this show down the road to the finals. That's what I'm here for. Okay. You're here to show me how to get there. Okay. And I also get on base. Yeah. yeah. Dri- drive in I'm some runs you're with lead-off lead lead guy. You're obviously a good player. It's yeah. just the power comes behind you. And I'm also faster than you, is what you're saying. There is no way you are faster. Lead-off man's always faster. That's not true. Smitty Bitty Show, coming up today. That's the old week. truth. What? That's the old truth. That old used truth. to happen. That's old baseball. Me? That the speed guy was first. That's old baseball. This is this is Noah Smith baseball on the Smitty and Mitty show. I'm fast. I feel like that's why it's a Smitty and Mitty show, just so you can always say your names first. I think you made the name. I really do. No, I think if we flash back to that day in 2016, you picked the name. It's always an amalgamation between the two of us. We're always putting our heads together to come up with the best options for the TSMS radio network and our fans. Our fans can find us. Smitty Mitty Show Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Please go ahead, follow us there. Mitty TSMS is me on Twitter. Make sure you follow me as well. Mitty, you know what we haven't done in a little while? What have we not We done? have not played Percent That. It was Sweeping the weeks. Nation. It was Sweeping the Nation. The number one game show throughout the province of Ontario, slowly making its way towards the East Coast, and then it hit a standstill. We didn't play it for like two and a half weeks. 
<laughs> well, I'm happy to announce to you that Percet that is back just here, hit, and hit it's better Quebec than border. ever. Hit that it, Quebec border. Hit the Quebec stopped. border. And it said, hold up. Listen, we were supposed to go to... Um, I actually haven't even told you this yet. We're supposed to go to Cleveland for my bachelor party, right? I don't think I'm going to have my passport in time. Ooh, I really don't. Rough. Mine's still valid, surprisingly. But I, it's just taken so long. They're so backed up. I have to reapply because it, it's the whole story. So I don't think I'm going to have the passport in time. So there it is. You so my mom, first. You so my, first. my mother proposed, said, why don't you go to Quebec? And I said, the only reason to ever go to Quebec is if you're an 18-year-old that wants to drink. Yes. That is the only reason to ever go to Quebec. Are you going to the East Coast? That might be a reason to go through Quebec. It's a stepping stone. I have been to Quebec, uh, save and accept a few trips where I walked across the border when I was once again 18. Uh, I've been to Quebec twice, and it was both both for baseball tournaments where I had no other choice but to be in Quebec. So, more of the stories. I'm hoping I get my passport. If not, I'm thinking maybe we'll do a Jays weekend. We can do a Saturday, do Sunday Jays. We'll stay to Toronto. That way, there's a couple people that actually can't go that are in the party, can't go to the States. So, kind of fits them in, too, yeah. right? We'll have to make another trip down to Buffalo to see our friend Pat Malacaro, the voice that was of the, the Bison, because he did to. invite us down yeah. to see him. So, we'll have to make that trip at least some point. We have to get to California. The point well. of the story is, and now we're getting closer to uh, our cutoff time before we got to start the interview with Mike Stubbs, we are going to play Percent That. Okay, go ahead. The game show sweeping the nation. All right, let's go. I'm going to start you off with this one. Should we? Percent That. But he's going to give me something here, and i got to give percent chance. Oh, yeah. Happen. For those of you who okay. are new to the show, I give Mitty a question. He has to give me the percentage chance. That he thinks it will happen. Right. I'm going to start this off here. The Arizona Coyotes released their ticket pricing for their new 5,000-seat arena at Arizona State University. The lowest ticket price starts at well over $100. Do you think that in a 5,000-seat arena, what's the chance that the Coyotes sell out every game? Every game? A 21% chance. Even in a 5,000-seat arena? For uh, over $100, their, their main draw will be the college kids college kids don't spend a hundred dollars on a hockey ticket that doesn't happen you gotta hope for some deals or something you need but... to make it you need to make them 60 bucks 60 bucks 40 bucks 40 bucks with a drink ticket done packed. done deal i'll be there that's it's the thing that always confuses me why do teams want to have a half full building with a little more expensive tickets when you can bring the tickets down a bit have a packed building people are having way more fun people want to be there they're drinking they're having fun but instead, they think they need to be the um, the bougie option and be a little bit more expensive. Okay, keeping on the attendance kind of thing, the Oakland Athletics this past week saw abysmal attendance numbers. Their lowest attendance in a game since 1980 on Wednesday night. Percent chance that the Oakland Athletics are still in Oakland in five years' time. I was actually hoping... Uh, zero. I was actually hoping that you we would talk about this. Uh, because I think this is actually a ploy by ownership. They already have land in Las Vegas. They already have the approval to move the team to Las Vegas. They're just looking for approval to build the stadium, and now they're proving that there's definitely no fans. Why are there no fans? Chapman's gone. Olsen's gone. Their players are gone. Manaya's going to be gone. So they're shipping out the players. They're reporting, because remember, they can report whatever they want, right? They can really report whatever attendance they want. Sure. They're reporting a low attendance to prove to everybody. It's not wrong, though. It might not be. 
But, I mean, even Miami posts 10,000 people, and that's because they have things like season ticket holders. They have things like tickets given away to companies that sponsor them. They have ways to bring the number up, even though the number's not actually there. So they're doing it on purpose. Well, we see some people, and notably a guest that we've had on the show before, Danny Vietti, he was tweeting out about the Oakland Athletics situation, saying that this is actually the fans boycotting ownership by saying, if you're not going to spend any money... We're not going to spend any money on tickets. I think this is going to backfire on them. I just think it, it, there is a bit of a reverse where there's an ownership rebelling against the fans a little bit, that they don't want to be there. They haven't wanted to be there in a while. It's a dump of a stadium, and they want to move to Vegas where they have been shown by the Raiders and by the Golden Knights that there's money to be made. Percent that is going a little bit long already here in our first week back after a couple of weeks. I'll give you one more here. Percent chance, and we've seen them now for a couple of weeks, and we did, I think we did this before the season started. But now, after a couple of weeks, percent chance that the Blue Jays will win the AL East? 90. Still high? I have all faith. I I think they are the best team far and away. I can't, I've, I've I can't, remember, to, I can't remember your percentage chance before the season started. I but, think it was like 96. Right? So I think so we've, we've gone down a little down bit, Down a I little guess. bit, but still there, kind of. I think the Rays are worse than we thought the Rays were going to be. I think the Boston Red Sox, they're defensively, they're, there's holes everywhere, and the Yankees are the Yankees. I mean, it's it's going to be a, a tight race, but um, remember, the Blue Jays are top of the East right now as we speak, and that's without some major players. Yeah, and they have not really been swinging the bats as well as we'd hope they would to start the season. And they've, 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 they've played the Yankees, they've played the Red Sox. It's not like they're getting away with a weak schedule. Even, even the division-leading Oakland Athletics. Yeah, Texas, who is not a, uh, a throwaway this year, right? So uh, I think the Jays are, they it's going to be tough. Winning the division is not easy any year, any division. But I think the Jays, uh, I think they're still the AL East favorites. Let's talk some hockey here. We got OHL playoffs getting underway in all of our markets. And now joining us to talk some OHL hockey, voice of the OHL's London Knights on 980 CFPL, it's Mr. Mike Stubbs. Mike, thanks for coming back on the show. Pleasure to have you back on the Smitty and Mitty Show. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, first of all, let's just break down the London Knights season. Uh, give us a grade. How were they? How, how did their season go? You know what? I think if you look at pre-injury they were they were a solid a because the injury bugs started to really bite in early march they'd made it through a few things in december liam gilmartin actually had to play defense for a couple of games but they made it through that and they were a solid a and then when you lose a goaltender like brett brochu who was on canada's world junior team and you're putting in guys without a lot of experience, it changes the way you play the game a little bit. It changes some of the outcomes. And so they didn't have the end of the season that they wanted. Now the biggest question, and it's still out there, will Brett Brochu start game number one? Yeah, we were talking about it before you came on about the Brett Brochu injury. And Tyler asked me when it was, and I said, I think off the top of my head, I said, it feels like it was just after Christmas, but it was at the beginning of March, March the 8th, when Brett Brochu went down in the game in Kitchener. And it just shows you how long the last month and a bit has been for the London Knights, the goalie carousel that they've been going through. Um, and I think for them to come out with the Midwest crown, it really is shows that it was a successful season, even with a little bit of a, a crummy end it was. No, you know what? And the end, let's face it, is junior hockey. One of the things that 
you're going to want to do at some point is put players into certain positions. And the Knights do a very good job putting players into positions where they can succeed. It's one of the things that kind of happens over time. It's why Luke Evangelista can go his entire 16-year-old year and not score a goal and then get 55 when he's 19. It's just part of the process. In this case, did you expect to have to have goaltenders like Owen Flores and Owen Wilmore and Aiden Barry in the net quite as much? Josh Hanovan played in the game as well. No, you didn't, but sometimes injuries create that. And so these guys got a great learning training ground and Flores had some sensational games. He was excellent in the final game of the year against the Sarnia Sting, maybe at his best game against the Guelph Storm. And what was kind of a a story that really works out well from a young player's perspective. He had played in Guelph, hadn't had his best game. The Knights had lost in a shootout. And then the Knights decided, okay, let's, let's find your confidence again. So he went and played with the London Nationals. And in a three-game span... He stopped 95 of 96 shots. He had two shutouts. He comes back to the London Knights. They're playing in Guelph, and it's the whole, look, we know you can do this. Now you're going to go back into that same building against that same team, and let's see what happens. And he shut out the storm four to nothing. So there were great stories within that, but with young players in big-time spots, you're going to have some nights where – Things don't go as well as you want them to. It's kind of what rebuilding is for some clubs. And so in this case, the Knights went through a couple of learning experiences like that, but they got the Midwest division. They have the number two seed and they'll take it. Yeah. What was funny is, and what brought it up is we were looking through the stats and stuff, just doing some, uh, some prep work here. And I mean, it shows how good Brochu was. I think he was still fourth in the league and wins and he hasn't played in a month and a half. But on top of that, um, on the OHL website, it has the stat at the very bottom for like it has all the goaltenders. I think five different, five or six different goaltenders for the Knights this year, and then at the very end, it says empty net. And the empty net had 18 games played, would have been third on the Knights, and the empty net would have been third on the Knights for games played. Uh, but the one thing it does give you is the advantage to see what could be the future, uh, what goaltending there is in the pipeline. How would you assess the, the Knights' goaltending, not just with Florida? Flores, but with uh, the whole system working up? Well, I think they got as good a look as they've ever had at what could be the future. And Rhett Brochu is still playing for an NHL contract. If he gets that, or even an American Hockey League contract, he's probably not going to be in the Ontario Hockey League next year. So you're right. What is there? And I think you go back to Owen Flores and the series of games that we just talked about and the fact that he hit you know, a a bump in the road. And yet what did he do with it? He learned from it and he came out and showed that he could, he could be that goaltender that he wanted to be. Did that in the final game of the season where he had allowed six goals the night before against Saginaw. What happens the next day? No six goals. He shuts out the Sarnia sting. So I think you really like the signs that he gave And then you look at Owen Wilmore, who was a 14th round pick, had been playing with the St. Thomas Stars, had been playing well with the St. Thomas Stars. And he's somebody that would not have expected to see the London Knights net this year, but went in, showed that he was a battler, picked up victories. He unfortunately got hurt and wasn't able to play maybe as much as he could have down the stretch, but he got an opportunity to show exactly what he could do. So 
you bet when the Knights look at him now, he's not a guy just coming into training camp. He's a guy coming into training camp who they have a, a pretty good knowledge of and who was put into a situation where it's, here's the OHL net. Let's see what you can do. And he showed very well. Aiden Berry did some very good things in that as well. So if you look at it that way, you've got a good competition coming next year in the London Knight net if Brett Brochu is in the pro ranks. And let's talk quickly here about, uh, about uh, Brett Brochu before we move on and talk a little bit more about the OHL playoffs. Uh, obviously, Brett's still not back as we speak early here in the week. And by the time that this goes out, you'll be one game into the first round of the playoffs. What is the hope for Brett Brochu? I know he's been practicing in full equipment, not quite the green light yet, but are the Knights hoping he's back in time for, you know, maybe games three or four in the series in Kitchener? Or what is the timeline looking like right now for Brett Brochu? Well, the timeline originally, they had hoped he could come back and play a little bit at the end of the regular season. That didn't end up happening, but the timeline will be about the player. I mean, when is the player 100%? When is he able to, you know, jump into the net and feel like he's ready to go and not have any issues whatsoever? That, that'll be it, and I think that's kind of what they're going for. So is it game one of the playoffs? Is it game two? Is it game three, game four? It is what it is, basically. It is whenever Brett is feeling 100% healthy. And uh, so they're getting closer to that, but it certainly will be the number one question throughout the series against the Kitchener Rangers. Now let's talk about that series against the Kitchener Rangers. The night's coming in here. Uh, faring fairly well against Kitchener throughout the regular season. They got off to a great start, I believe winning their first five matchups of the season against Kitchener. And then Kitchener battled back, won some games in the back half of the season. What are your initial thoughts on this series? I know Kitchener's got a, a good goaltending duo as well. This is going to be, I feel, a low-scoring series. Am I wrong in saying that? What's your feeling coming into round one? Well, I think it certainly can be. Here's the thing I think both teams are going to do at some point because we've seen this in the 10 games they played. We've seen this five times where the London Knights can look up at the scoreboard and the Kitchener Rangers can look up at the scoreboard. From the Knights' perspective, maybe they're out shooting Kitchener 37 to 15. And Kitchener, on their side, they're being outshot 37-15. And the score's 2-2. I think that's the kind of thing that both teams are going to have to deal with. The Knights from the perspective of, hey, what we're doing is going well. We're creating chances. Pavel Chayon or Jackson Parsons, it'll probably be Pavel Chayon, is finding ways to stop pucks. When this guy made 40 saves or more in, in a game, he was two games above 500 this year. Find goaltenders who can be like that. That's, that's not going to happen very often. So Pavel Chayon is somebody who can deal with a big workload and can give you a lot of saves on the Kitchener Rangers side. It's going to be, Hey, let's find a way to hang around because in the four games that they won following that first five game winning streak by the Knights, that's kind of how they did it. They were able to hang around in games, either Pavel Chayon or Jackson Parsons weathered some of that London night storm. And then they scored an opportunistic goal. They got to overtime or a shootout and they ended up winning the game. So the Rangers won the next four. The last game of the season was a tight one. It was 4-3. The Knights found a way to win it. But yeah, this, and I, I really think this is indicative of almost all series, except for maybe Hamilton, in this case, versus Peterborough. It could have been Hamilton versus Ottawa, Hamilton versus Oshawa. I think we'd be talking the same way. It's not your classic 2-7 matchup. It's not your classic 1-8 matchup. 
I think there's there's a lot of real parity this year. You saw every team in the OHL win 20 games. That just doesn't happen. So it happened this year, and it shows there's a lot of good quality. But at the same time, take Sarnia and Windsor, for example. They played 10 times. Sarnia won four of those, and one went to overtime. That's half of them. And I think we're going to be seeing, you know, not so much sweeps necessarily, but I think we're going to see – you know, the favored teams have a little more trouble than maybe they usually would in that first round. Uh, by the way, we are played on, on Roger Television, Great Bruce, so I apologize to everybody whose TV is, who, who's trying to flip on the attack game, <laughs> is is finding out some uh, some London Knights talk. I'm sure they're not too happy about that, but hey. Well, we can talk Owen Sound. I'm, <laughs> I am excited about what that team's going to be. Well, what, what is that team going to be? Well, that team is is right now when you look at their depth chart this year and then you fast forward two years into the future, I think it's really similar. It's almost the same. You'll add in some first-round picks here and some guys who find ways into the lineup, but when you're looking at Colby Barlow, 30 goals, Servak Petrovsky, uh, you're looking at Cedric Gandon, 2-3 in rookie scoring. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And they've got a lot of depth on defense. They've got Nick Chouinard who proved himself in net. This is going to be the team in a couple of years. Now, I think the series in the first round is Owen Sound versus Flint. And I think Flint's going to be tough to beat. I really, really do. But what Owen Sound learns in either taking that series a long way or who knows, maybe they come up with a so-called upset and, and beat the Flint Firebirds. This team's going to learn and take that into the future. This team's going to be scary. I've heard from multiple um, friends within the OHL that Flint, uh, to them, is the dark horse of the West and has a really good chance to at least make the conference final. So for a young team, like you said, like Owen Sound, to just put up a fight and get the, the playoff experience that some guys like Barlow just don't have, that's huge this year. And that's you need to take it that way. But we will move off the attack. I appreciate you giving me one question there. Um, we'll move back to the Knights. Uh, a player like uh, like Mr. Evangelista, you talked about how the difference he made during the season, you know, 55 goals, 56 assists, 111 points, an amazing season. How does that translate to the playoffs? What does what do the Knights and their scores have to do differently in the playoffs to get it done? Well, Luke Evangelista has been seeing it for about a month now, and it is being targeted by other teams where not only will they finish a check, they'll try and hit that gray area between a couple of seconds of unloading the puck and then still hitting a guy. They'll try and get into that. Anytime you can get to him after a whistle, they'll get to him. And he's been seeing that. So that kind of thing is going to be there. But Luke Evangelista was still finding ways to do what he does. Luke Evangelista's key He's almost like a Greg Maddox in baseball. For anybody who can remember Greg Maddox pitching, Greg Maddox was not a guy who was going to overpower you, but he had about 12 things that he could do to get the ball over the plate, and you weren't going to be able to hit 11 of them. And so Luke Evangelista is kind of like that offensively, where he has so many different tools, so many different ways of either shooting the puck, moving the puck, where he shoots from. You never quite know what he's going to do. Goalies will try and keep books today on what a player does, what his tendencies are. It's tough to write a book. You, you need a whole book. You need several chapters for what Luke Evangelista can do. So he will be targeted. He'll play against top two defensemen, but... He's been doing that all year. 
And he got a little bit of a break over the last weekend with Tony Ostrangis and, and Sean McGurn, who he's been playing with a lot this year. And I think you'll probably see them play together quite a bit in the postseason. So he's somebody that works well with those players. The Knights have been getting some pretty good secondary scoring. Cody Morgan has been on fire over the last few weeks of the season. So they're going in, even though they're not going in on an eight-game winning streak, they're going into the playoffs with a lot of positives to draw from. I read that article from you this week where you said he was like a Maddox, and I got a little bit of a giggle when I read that because it is so true. Um, the Knights, that top line, obviously, you talked about McGurn, Stranges, Evangelista. They're going to be guys that you're looking for scoring in the playoffs. But talk a little bit about the secondary, even the tertiary scoring for this London Knights club. I feel like that's going to be where we see this Knights team in the playoffs if it's a make or break type thing, right? If we get the secondary or the tertiary scoring from this Knights club, that's going to be what takes London kind of over the hump in the playoffs. It is. And so Cody Morgan kind of leads that way. And there are times when he's been teamed with Tony Ostrangis and they've made a really good pairing. So if the top line is being shut down by another team, well, then you'll probably see a couple of players split off so that they can try and create more of that wave setting that clubs like to have that, a Hamilton has that a Windsor has where it's ugh, don't we get a break? There's just, there's guys who keep coming at us every shift. I think you're going to see the opportunity for someone like Brody crane, who just seems to have that playoff game to him. He's a 17 year old and he's somebody who has a hockey body. If you were to look at him, you would say, don't play basketball, you know, don't play soccer. You have the ultimate hockey body play hockey, big trunk, strong. And he's someone who really has made some strides in the second half. Denver Barkey's only 16, but he's someone who, again, has made a lot of strides in the second half. So they're going to have an opportunity to maybe get more of a chance to score because, you know, a lot of attention will be focused in on Luke Evangelista and Antonio Stranges. And then you add in a Cameron Baber and what he does and Max McHugh, these guys, these guys are playoff type guys where they play that sort of a game. They love to get involved. Another player to pay attention to Landon Sim. I don't know anybody on the Knights who likes to get involved in everything to the extent that Landon Sim does. He will go flying into piles and somehow he'll come out with the puck. So there are names. They don't have the experience. They can't say, yeah, I was able to do this last year because there was no last year. But they're players who I think can really, really play what the playoffs is all about. Now I have to ask you about this very strange schedule that's happening in this <laughs> series. Uh, I believe there's four game days off between game four and game five. That's weird for a for a, an OHL team. I'm assuming it's working around concerts and stuff, but what does the team have to do to be prepared for four days off in the middle of a series? Yeah, it's almost like a split, and it'll be interesting to see how the series comes through. What are we at after game four? Is it over one way or the other? Is it 2-2? Two, two? Does one team have one game to win in order to clinch it? And then you go from game four on Tuesday to game five all the way away on Sunday. And yes, there was building availability. There's also the OHL priority selection in there. So I think the teams are looking and saying, hey, if we can take the Friday, Saturday and be completely involved in the draft, can we do that? And so that may have played a part, but yeah, it'll go from Tuesday until Sunday without a game if it does go five. 
it just seems like the craziest schedule in the world. And it's uh, not even like not even playing was, on the Saturday. I was, trying, I was trying to read it to Tyler yeah. before we got on. I was just like, okay, so games one and two, Thursday, Friday, and then Sunday, Tuesday, and then Sunday. He goes, did we skip days? Like, did you miss games five and six? Like, what's going on? But you're uh, just so you're so used to the con. The OHL playoffs are just it's a grind where it's every other day. You might get three days off when you're switching series if you win a series and moving on. But other than that, you're back and forth. You're always traveling. The kids are almost never in school during the playoffs. It, it's it, it was just strange. It was strange to see four days off. That's it. No, it, you know it is, but it's it's just a part of again building availability. Nobody's playing on that Friday because of round one of the OHL priority selection. So that's uh, that's kind of the way they'll work through it. And it's important just to stay out of your head. The Knights can go back, at least their coaches and their managers can go back to 2016 because they finished the round robin in the Memorial Cup and they had made it through to the final and they had to wait from Tuesday to Sunday in order to play again. And that was the hardest part was what's going on in your head. And at that case, they had won 16 games in a row and it's, who could win 17 in a row was set up for failure. And at some point, somebody just said, you know what? Why not? Why can't a team win 17 games in a row? And they went out and it took overtime, but they won their 17th game in a row and they won the Memorial Cup. But it was about finding a way to get that out of your head. So if you're up 3-1 or if you're not where you expected to be in the series, you can't let that wear on you and think, oh, here we go. Another sleepless night because I'm worried about you know, losing one more game and losing the series, or I thought it would be different than 2-2 right now, and it's it's 2-2. This can go any way. You've got to get out of your head. So maybe that's a perfect time to you know, ask the teachers to schedule a test or something for the high school age kids. Hey, can, can we have a few essays due? Students never ask for those things. I think that's a time to ask for a lot of things to be due. Any of them listening right now are just shaking yeah. their head. And, and just because they asked for it doesn't mean they're actually going to hand it in either. Two very different things. Um, let's talk about the actual conferences. We talked about Hamilton in the East. Far and away, I think the best team in the East, 107 points. It wasn't even really close. So let's move to the West. I'm not going to let you pick London because that seems way too easy. But other than that, who is the real dark horse, the real favorite to come out of this conference? I think it is Flint, and you've mentioned it. They're, they're the favorite on this, but I think there's a reason that they're the favorite. Coming into this year, if you had said, how the Flint Firebirds, you think they'll be pretty good? Mm, no, probably a, a sort of a, a, a getting older, you know, rebuilding year. You, you didn't know whether Ethan Keppen would be back at the beginning of the year. He was still with Vancouver's organization, and it looked like Brendan Othman, and, and then who was going to be next? And they have had so much success under Ted Dent. So congratulations to him. And the thing that they do very well that I think makes them scary in the playoffs, there's a few things. One, they're so quick. They are so quick and they are so cohesive. And when you get those two things in hockey right now, you're hard to beat. And then you've got a game breaker like Brennan Othman who can say, oh, wait a minute. Do we need four goals to win this? Just like he said, oh, wait a minute, do I need four goals to hit 50? And he got them in a game. So Brennan Othman is a guy. You've got Luke Cavillan, who has been in the OHL long enough as a goaltender. He's seen everything. 
absolutely everything. He has seen a team that couldn't win until November. He has seen a team that was poised to make a lot of noise in 2020, only to have a season shut down. He's played a lot of minutes. You cannot flap this guy. So if he's down by one late in the game, he's not going to let in that goal that makes the Flint Firebirds down by two. He's just got that competitiveness to him. And their defense, well, their defense can move the puck. They have some pretty good size. Um, this is this is a team to watch out for. And then you add in statistically, they've got the number one penalty kill in the league. And special teams in the playoffs can mean a whole lot because they can either keep the other team from getting an important goal or they can get you one. And to have that number one penalty kill, again, it goes back to their quickness and their cohesiveness. That's just how they play. So they're going to be a tough out. Yeah, not to mention just the adversity they faced this year too, right? With the whole border crossing problems that they had to face, with the COVID problems they had, you know, moving into the to the uh, the break that we had midseason. So, uh, yeah, I can't disagree with you, uh, but I hope that the attack take them out. How's that? How's that? Uh, Mr. Stubbs, really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. Um, safe travels throughout the playoffs, and I will say deep playoff run for the Knights. Hey, we hope so. It's always fun. No matter what team you're cheering for, that's all you want to see. More hockey. We we were deprived for too long. Just give us more. Yeah, you're talking to a guy whose team was knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. So I'm sitting here just looking for any hockey I can get. So uh, we wish you the best of luck, Mike. Once again, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, pleasure to talk to you again. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm Dave Middleton, a proud Sun Life Financial Advisor, and I've got some fantastic ideas for the money that's building up in your bank account due to COVID-19. Make more and protect more. Visit sunlife.ca slash dave.middleton. Goldline Curling is having their end-of-season sale. Shoes, brooms, jackets, pants, whatever you need, you'll find it on sale. Check out the deals at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions. Listen, we all know someone affected by mental health, and that's why we at the Smitty Mitty Show have joined forces with the Jack Jury Memorial Dirt Bowl. Happening at 9 a.m. Saturday, August 13th at Pearson Soccer Fields in Port Elgin, Ontario, a day of flag football awaits you, concluding with raffles, auction, and dinner at the Queen's Bar and Grill. With over $30,000 donated so far this year, looks to be the biggest ever. For more information and where to donate, please visit the Jack Jury Memorial Dirt Bowl on Facebook. Now back to the Smitty and Mitty Show. Smitty Mitty Show back again. Thank you to Mike Stubbs on the other side for joining us, voice of the London Knights. And we thank everyone for joining in and listening to us on accident or on purpose on this beautiful day that you are listening. Let's talk about... You ever, you ever wonder how many people listen to us on accident? I... I'm a hundred percent sure. Almost all of them. That most people are there by accident or just driving, and they're stage. They they happen to accidentally find us. I do think that there's a little base of people who might. There is a small I, fan base there. A small, I, I don't think, but mighty fan base. I don't think there's many that seek out that have an alarm set <laughs> to what or to listen. But I think there is quite a bit that you know listen to. Let's say five sixty CFOS or St Mary's Radio dot com or Blast the Radio dot com. Uh, consistently, and they just enjoy when our show is on. Yeah, they go, oh, yeah, Smitty Mitty Show is coming on at this time. Yeah, 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 So it's yeah. not that they search it out, but they're excited when they hear our voice. Does that I'm make sense? I'm down for that. Okay. I'm down for that. Uh, if you're listening to this on the Saturday over the weekend, uh, the Toronto Raptors playing game four of the playoffs. Mitty, 
begging me to go down to Toronto to see the Raptors play on this Saturday. We did so not angry. make the trip. He said that he has no good friends that would want to come watch basketball with him. I texted everybody. After watching Game 3, that arena is so live. It's like it's like when a hockey team scores and the arena goes nuts, except for 50 times a game, because you're going to score 50 buckets. Let me ask you something. How old are you? Old enough. How old are your friends? It's about the same age. So, like, at this are age, you if, if you're I'm asking people... Are no, you but if you're asking? at this age, if you're asking someone on a Thursday to drive down to Toronto... Spend $200 on tickets, parking, and drinks. Go watch the Raptors play. A lot of people at this age have stuff planned already. Not everyone can just drop that and go see the Raptors play in the playoffs. It's also more likely that somebody's going to go with me now than in high school. You have a full-time job. You have $200. Ah, beg to differ. You live with your parents. You have a full-time job. I pay rent. I, you do pay rent. And you this have a dog. studio costs me a lot of money. And you have a dog. It costs the show a lot of money. The show does not bring in enough money for us <laughs> to go to Toronto to see the Raptors play. But I would pay. I found $115 tickets. They're the nosebleeds, but they're there. It's only a two-hour drive. Pay to park. It's a two o'clock game. Pay to park. You know damn well me and you aren't going to go to a Raptors game and not buy anything to drink, let alone anything to eat. We're parking. We're definitely we're parking at the go station at the airport, and we'll be riding in. I'm not driving downtown right, Toronto. So go ticket, add on to the price, let okay. alone. Now I have so, things planned on Saturday that I've got to reschedule. So the Toronto Raptors are playing a playoff series for the first time in three years. They're down we just, three to nothing We just already. went through a pandemic where we learned that things are not finite. Things come and things go. Life is not finite. Okay. There's an end. Okay. And the Raptors are playing in the playoffs and you can't spend $300 to go and be in that arena. I'll that be honest with you. If this series is 2-1 Raps, I might go with you on Saturday. But it's three to nothing. Philadelphia. I see three nothing as being almost an okay game because either you're going, you're going to see a win. They extend the series. That's great. Let's send them off. Or you're going to see a loss and you get to say goodbye to your Raptors for another year. You get to be there on the last game of the year. Sure. Sure. You haven't convinced me to go. And obviously by the time this comes out, we will not be in Toronto together. Um, so you live to see another day. We'll go down and we'll see the Jays play. How about that? We'll meet you halfway in the middle. So let's talk about the actual series that's happened. Because both of us thought it was going to go six. And it still could. Um, you know listening better than we do as of right now if it's going to go six. There's going to come a time we'll do this live. It's not right now. What do you think went wrong for the Toronto Raptors? Is refereeing an appropriate answer? I don't want to say no. Dead air is not great. No, but we dead just air is some. fine. Dead air is fine. I, I don't want to say completely no for one specific game. I think game two it in Philadelphia was not poorly officiated. I just feel like Joel Embiid got a, a lot of tic-tac call. There was one where Siaka was standing up straight. He bumped into him and he got a foul call. We saw this all. See Listen, I am... Uh, you're a, an official in hockey. I've been an official in baseball for a long time. We both kind of see sing, things from the official's point of view fairly well. Um, the officiating could be bad all series long, but I don't think the officiating is a reason why you're down 3 nothing in a series. No. Right? I, you no. cannot blame three losses on the officials. Can that turn the momentum if it's in games one or two? I think it did. But I don't think that's the reason why Toronto is down 3 One of the biggest stats I think I saw was that if there was no fouls called in game two, period, the Raptors win. They win by two points. Correct. If there were no fouls called in the whole game. Obviously, that's, they were... obviously that's not going to happen. 
It was the the, the free throws were something like 30 to 17. Yeah, they went to the line like a dozen times maybe. So, but you're going to get that when you have, for, there's a whole lot of factors. Joel Embiid is the biggest and strongest player in the NBA. And he likes to take the rock to the hoop. So you're going to have to foul him. And the thing I did enjoy the Raptors doing was fouling him hard. If you're going to foul him, don't make it a tic-tac. Put him on the floor. Put an elbow into his chest. Yeah. Do something that's going to make him, him second-guess yeah, coming back in. Make him hit the floor hard. Make him second-guess going back into that hole knowing that you're standing there. And they did that a couple times. And I think we saw that in Game 3. He was a little less, a little more reluctant to go into the middle. And he took a lot more perimeter threes, including uh, what was the game winner. And we're, we're going to have to talk about the game winner with 0.9 seconds on a shot clock. How do you get a shot off? But I actually personally think the Raptors handled that fairly well. Uh, he just hit the shot. Right. That, what do you at the want? end of the day, he hit the shot. You can do everything in your power as a defense to stop him, to set it up well. You want to make sure you don't foul. They did everything they could. He just hit the shot, right? And at some point, whether it's in basketball, hockey, baseball, whatever sport you're playing, there comes a point when you can do everything you can and you just got to tip your hat. Right? Yes, Doc Rivers came out of nowhere to call a timeout. Yes, um, Fred Van Vliet went off of Danny Green, who was inbounding the ball, and went to the basket to guard against a tip. Yes, the pick and roll to get Embiid open probably wasn't the best possible thing. You want to have at least a couple guys on Embiid in that situation. But if you're going to tell me that he is going to be forced with 0.9 seconds left to take a fadeaway three, that's kind of where I want him to be shooting from. I don't want anyone else shooting from any other spot than Joel Embiid fading away from three-point land yeah and he just made the shot off the wing he yeah, made the shot right? like, it was a, that is a tough shot to make now like i said there comes a point when you have to tip your cap a lot of philadelphia uh, pages on my instagram and my twitter saying that that's payback for the Kawhi shot that's nowhere close to the same level I saw the as the bleacher Kawhi report shot. that's post, exactly what i'm talking uh, about the bleacher report posts that uh Embiid gets his revenge and then it shows the Kawhi shot and then you went up three nothing in round one this is not the same thing. That was a conference final game seven. <laughs> right? Like, that is not the same thing. This it, is not no. going to go down in history as a shot. Like, people are talking about getting Kawhi's shot as a statue. No one's going to be getting this Embiid shot as a statue instead of Philadelphia. This is not the same thing. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's a... It's, I saw that and I laughed. Yeah, it's Philadelphia being Philadelphia. And I get it. In the moment, I'll uh, get your clicks, get people to... But it's not even... It's not even... Now, I, I like that shot changed the series. If it's 2-1 heading into Saturday, for one, Smitty Mitty in the building. For two, uh, I mean, you have a chance to win another one at home and, and be tied heading to Philadelphia, where we kind of thought they were. The Toronto Raptors missing some key players really affected. Losing Scotty Barnes was that hurts. Huge. That hurts you so and early. Even Trent Jr. did not look the same in Game 2. And even Game 3, he looked really good, but he still didn't seem like he was 100% back. And uh, Thaddeus Young, I mean, you're missing him as well. So injuries really happen to this team. Yeah, at this point... They got to win. Shaq can't be right. They got to win game four. Yeah, you got to... At this point, if you're the Raptors, hope you can snag a win, maybe two. Uh, use this as some building blocks for some of the younger guys and come back uh, stronger next year. At the, end of the, at the end of the day, nobody thought they were going to be in the playoffs anyways. Yeah. No, right? no team has ever come back down, or from 3-0 down. But that just means that somebody eventually has to come back from 3-0 down. Let's finish things off and thank the sponsors, Mitty. <laughs> thank you today, Middleton. Sunlight Financial Life is brighter under the sun. Goldline Curling, the choice of champions year-end sale happening right now. Please visit goldline.ca 
for all the details. Also, the Jack Jerry Memorial Bowl. I hope you enjoyed our commercial, our little ad. I hope no one remembered that, to put it in the show. Is that your first commercial voiceover? Not ever? only did I voice it over, I produced it as well. Yeah, I helped. You all you did was put the music bed down. The, I picked the music bed. That's half. That's half of the producer. I cut it. I voiced it. I cut it. <laughs> I got it down to thirty seconds. All literally, all you had to do was drag the music bed behind. Without the me, the job doesn't get done. I would have figured it out. It would have been much louder. The voice. <laughs> you wouldn't have been able to hear me do the actual <laughs> ad. The bed would have been really loud. He's learning, folks. He's learning. I mean, it's a step in the right direction. Soon he's going to be producing this show. I won't even be here. It's going to be the Mitty Show. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing, ladies and gentlemen? I will let you dream on that. It's the Smitty Mitty Show for another week. We will be back same time, same place next week. Talk to you.